Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I am sitting in my home with a teacher, a game designer, a puzzle maker. It's Richard Molina Weber. Oh my gosh, hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and <laughs> doing course. this. Of course. So uh, we know each other. Yes. Because uh, this is always a fun way to phrase it. I married you and our mutual friend, your wife. Angela Molina Weber. That is true. You you are the Jedi Knight who who married me. <laughs> oh, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, so I, I met you through Angela when when you guys became a couple. Right. Right. And then you kindly invited me to uh, marry you both as a Jedi Knight. It was it was a a well done decision. I think. I, I think, think we so. we picked well. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up feeling very very happy about it. It was yeah. Your ceremony was just a great event, and you had all these uh, puzzles. At the game. Yes. Or at the game, at the wedding. It was like a game. It was like a game, <laughs> which I was, you know, and I always uh, suffer from seeing every event as a show, okay. which can be yeah. a benefit and a curse. So, like, when you asked me to help, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to offer these show like ideas of how you manage the audience, also known as your friends and loved ones and family. Right. But they were a lot like an audience, and we thought about it as having a showrunner on board and, you know, a stage manager and things like that because it just yeah. made it. A lot simpler in our minds to think about. Yeah. Instead yeah. of this thing with our loved ones. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of weddings are just sort of like, come and share the day with me, but you can't see or hear anything. So share that. Uh, <laughs> but I was amazed at how much, because you presented like, oh, I don't know. When we met about it, you're like, I think I want to do one of these this elaborate puzzle where people have to find and unlock and discover things before uh, we as the, the husband and the wife can come back in the room. You're like, oh, oh, okay. And I was amazed at how well it worked. <laughs> I was really surprised. And I remember that pitch, and I think that was the first time I had pitched it to anyone but Angela. Excuse me. And it was strange. I felt like, am I, am I ruining my wedding by coming up with this puzzle? Is it going to be a disaster? Who knows? And I'm really glad it worked out. Yeah, it worked out so great. And it was a good, uh, it was one of those good kind of life reminders for me because I've done so many shows that sometimes my instinct is just like, eh, make it simpler, make it easier, <laughs> right, just get the people right. in, say the things and leave. Uh, and it was a nice reminder of like, people can handle complex ideas, especially a bunch of really smart people who would be at your wedding can handle and enjoy very complex things. Oh my, it just takes hours of preparation. That's all. I, I have no idea how many hours I spent creating those puzzles and building the props and the, my 20 page document that listed yeah. every, all the rules. And I, the way that like everything in the room had to be set up just right. Yes. So that if any of the puzzles were like, if the wrong number was on the back of the wrong painting, then your <laughs> wedding was over, right? You were never going to come out for your party. The best part, I think, <laughs> was that all the placemats had to be in specific spots so i showed up when everybody came to set up and i yeah. wasn't really supposed to be there and no one wanted me to set <laughs> things up and i was like don't touch what i'm doing let me do this and friends of mine were like no no no, we'll do those placemats and i was like you can't because you'll turn them over and you'll see all the letters on the back oh and so you wanted to put them there so your friends didn't get spoiled right nice i had i had a couple friends who were willing to be spoiled on it and that was fine but but the, the rest of them who just volunteered to help out i wanted them to enjoy the whole event so it was a very small list of people who knew what the what was going on with the puzzle and i think only a couple actually knew the whole thing yeah I think I knew like what needed to happen in the end, but I didn't know the actual puzzle at all. So like when I was 
at the table and people were turning over there thinking, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm yep. going to get another drink. <laughs> <laughs> and we wanted to make sure there were drinks available during that for exactly that reason. And Just the like... <laughs> drink part worked great. Just like the puzzle part. Perfect. So for people who don't know you or didn't get a little certificate to become a Jedi Knight and marry you, <laughs> can you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? My goodness. I am a teacher. Um, I've been teaching for 10 years now, mostly high school math and physics and Game theory. I started teaching about that. Okay. And I think that's kind of what I do now. Yeah. That's strange. But I I now do a show on uh, AtomicGameTheory.com where I just I talk about any kind of game theory I want to, write posts, make videos, and then I present at conventions. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And you just stopped being a teacher to move from Portland here to Los Angeles. It's true. So, like, how does that feel? Because I think a lot of times when I'm intro- introing people on the podcast – it is kind of a boil down to some people are clear about here's my noun. Here's my main go-to thing of what I am. At the end of the day, I'm a writer. At the end of the day, I'm a plumber. (laughs) I haven't had a plumber on the Mm -hmm. podcast, but I would love to. Um, (laughs) But you have had that noun of teacher for a decade. I know. And you're just stepping away from it now. It's really hard. That's how my mom used to introduce me to her friends is this is my son, the teacher. <laughs> and it was like, oh, we understand. You're you're a wonderful person. You teach children. Yeah. And we didn't have to do any more detail at all. I never told people that I was a math teacher because that's a different conversation that, that doesn't go quite as well. It's usually immediately <laughs> like, I'm sa- I was sad. My math teachers, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's, you get the immediate, well, I sucked at math. I was right. great at math. Yeah, which... <laughs> Uh, that's great. It sounds like you grew up on Sesame Street then. Yes. If your mom can just say, here is Richard, the teacher. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so I met many wonderful people who were happy to tell me about their school experiences. Yeah. That was great. And now it's really strange, especially because it's, you know, September. Everyone's back in school. My old coworkers, I see their updates on Facebook. Some of them are posting pictures from, Oh yeah. I'm good friends with the art teacher at my school who's posting like, look at these cool things the kids are making. And I'm not teaching right yeah. now it's really difficult is it really are you missing it are you like yeah i'm in los angeles and it's not even fall here screw it all i've escaped it <laughs> it's eternal summer now so it's fine it might have been tougher if i'd moved to alaska okay say. <laughs> because then it's like well now it's winter time i should really be preparing like midway through geometry basically <laughs> let's introduce <laughs> proofs right now it was hard i think the the first day i was very very cognizant of the first day of school. Okay. And I was not there. Yeah. It was strange. And did you take a first day of school photo of yourself, of you not <laughs> going to school? I should have done that. That would have been smart. I was actually at PAX Dev, and I was presenting the next day, so it was like I was preparing for my own first day of school. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, so let's get into your obsession, which does connect oh, to all, everything, really. You're, this is one of those obsessions where it's not like a side thing. This is sort of like the crux of your life and your life perspective it's like going too far it's becoming that way yeah so it's game theory so for Mm -hmm. people who don't know what game theory is what is the basic definition okay game theory is mathematically simulating conflict okay that is if i could make it three words that that's all it is (laughs) (laughs) it is it is taking a look at major conflicts and their similarities and boiling them down to just a bunch of numbers and then running simulations on them Okay, and then the simulations become yes. things like games we are familiar with or like game dynamics and structures. If only they were. <laughs> okay, it's, it's not that simple. <laughs> no, uh, game theory has been around, let's, let's go 1940s. Okay. Sure. And it was just about, it's about war and economics and politics. That's what it's about. And okay. so 
every single person who goes to a game theory class these days is like, cool, I'm going to learn about God of War or whatever video game they love. Okay. And they never talk about games. It's just game means simulation for them, and that's it. Okay. And I was so sad that day. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a day where you discovered this? Yeah, and it's everyone does it who goes through this. They, they just show up and they're like, wait, we're never going to talk about at Monopoly? Like, yeah. that seems like that would be a game we'd talk about. And no, not a bit. So when I decided to start teaching it, I was like, okay, I, it has to be about games. Or why would I ever want to talk about it? Yeah. I don't... I don't Real world politics, like, I don't want to get too deep into that study right now. <laughs> right. And it's, yeah, extra juicy and horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying and juicy right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, otherwise it's like pull the rug from out, out from under you theory. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. People it's, are expecting game. What a terrible name. And <laughs> in the 40s, we don't have that many game. Like, game could mean a lot of different things. Like, yeah. it's very specific now, I think. But I think once upon a time, game just meant, like, thing we do when we're not, it's not reality. It's just yeah. Monopoly is a simulation of terrorizing people, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Crushing capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, I, my little brain understands as far as it is a simulation of how numbers act out conflict. Gotcha. Um, and I can understand how that can be applied to, like, the history of war, like World War Two. of these are the amounts of planes this side has. This is the amount, this is how they allocate them. Yep. Uh, yep. Have I said anything stupid and wrong <laughs> no, yet? not a bit. Okay, but then you take that and you, much like war games do, in your Atomic Game Theory video series, you're applying that to, like, specific game structures, right? Yes. Uh, like, this kind of game uses this formula of conflict, and this is why it's more or less fun or more or less difficult or... Yeah, and I, I really enjoy that. It's because I know those major conflicts. And there's a lot of conflicts can break down to the same basic dilemma. Yeah. And so it's finding that in different games. And once we find it, we can talk about it and look at it and see like, okay, so if I made this choice, this is what would happen. And game theory says, yep, that's what's going to happen in the future. Or I could try and, you know, both of us decide we're going to betray each other in this okay. situation or we're going to cooperate like my ally and i game called diplomacy <laughs> where yeah. those are your only choices we can either work together but at some point i have to betray you and you know that and you have to right. betray me to win juicy and difficult it's yes. so wonderful it's a terrible game <laughs> it's a friendship ender right it, it is it is it takes uh days to play and and so there's these these moments like every single turn do I keep cooperating with you or do I betray you? And game theory works through all of those problems and it's all about finding out, you know, how beneficial is it to me? How much does it cost me to do things? And that's yeah, that's all it is. So now are you, I know in your video series you're breaking things down kind of by game or by like almost design idea? Yeah, yeah. So in actual game theory, are there subsets? Are there things like, here's the Molina maneuver and this is a, we explain <laughs> it through game theory. So it's like a subset that can then be applied to games? Yes. Like, for example, um, psychology has the same problem. So, like, the, the prisoner's dilemma is a constant between the two. We can talk about yeah. it in either way. And in psychology, you usually talk about the what are, what are people thinking, what makes them betray people, or something like that. And mathematicians, we don't care about that. We yeah. just, we just, it's all a cost-benefit <laughs> analysis. That's okay. the whole thing. But a lot of conflicts just end up being the prisoner's dilemma. And so there are I like I don't have my own maneuver I don't know how sub we can get but there are there's like the free rider problem and there are different levels of that depending on what is exactly. the free rider problem the free rider problem is named after like real people who just live on the beaches in California and they nice. don't pay taxes but they get all the benefits <laughs> of a free beach or okay I think, I think that's the basis but it's just this 
it's this moment when society has to deal with these free riders. And it's like, okay. how many people can not pay into a common good before the common good collapses? Oh, like healthcare. Yeah, yep, <laughs> exactly. Like right this damn second yep. as we record. Yes, 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 right now. Um, <laughs> and so it's just, it's this, I, I don't want to say sad, but it, it is kind of sad as soon as I start applying these to the real world. Like, can I just talk about that in terms of playing a board game like Puerto Rico or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. And, and it's it's an interesting way because I also like going back and forth. So there's games like Chicken. Okay, I'm just I'm going all out. I'm yeah. just telling you all of them. Um, James Dean. Yeah. Uh, James Dean, right? Not Jimmy Dean. It's the sausage. Jimmy Dean is sausage guy. James Dean, famous right. actor. So, p- perfect. <laughs> I've watched many movies. <laughs> <laughs> Never the twain shall meet. No. So there's the, the one movie, I think it's Rebel Without a Cause, where they do the driving towards the cliff thing. Yeah. And so one of them's supposed to swerve away, but if you do, you're a coward. So, yeah. So that's chicken, and that's exactly the same problem as the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's the exact same, like, right. nuclear disarmament, same thing. And so my favorite moment in classes was when we could talk about these these problems in terms of games, and they could play them, and they could see them, and get frustrated with those dilemmas, and then right. be like, now, you know, you are... Uh, a president, you are in this situation, what would you do? You know, how would you settle these problems? Right. It's fun but terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> a theme emerges. Yeah. Juicy, yes, difficult, yes. terrifying. All right, so obviously you are obsessed with game theory because you are a mathematician. Yes. You are a uh, thoughtful human being who can apply these things to real life. But a big part of this is, like, games for you, right? Because you love board games. <laughs> I love games so much. <laughs> yeah. So is it that you are obsessed with game theory in general, or is it that you are obsessed with game theory as you can apply it to making games and designing puzzles? I'm going to go with the second one. Okay. Because game theory on its own didn't have a draw for me. Yeah. Because I didn't want to do economics, which is where it's the most useful. But I I really love games. I've been playing them for far, I don't want to say too long, ever. (laughs) But you were going to say that. Yeah, I was. (laughs) And, And it was just... It's the combination of them that really gets me. It's now now I have this strange tool to analyze games that I had never seen before and uh, helped kind of decide what was going on and looking at game design and mechanics and, and puzzles for okay. sure, things like that. It just it gave them an extra layer, I guess, that I hadn't noticed before on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So every time you're playing a game, you can enjoy it for the surface level. You can enjoy whatever social interaction is happening. Yeah. But then your mind is also ticking away of like, what model does this match? Or maybe even, is it a new model that I can use and discover? <laughs> yeah. Cool. So when did, you said you've been playing games for far too long. Far too long. Do you remember the first time that you were playing a game and you're like, this is amazing. Wow. And I want to keep doing this. I would like to talk about Betrayal at House on the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love this game. I We played lots and lots of games. I had a good group in college, high school I didn't play a ton of board games. We played some role-playing and stuff like that. I assume you played, like, some of the real family games in your youth, or were you not exposed to, like, Uno and... We had Uno. Um, There's a game that's so like Uno that I had never played before. Skip Bow. Skip Bow, yeah. It's right next to it on the shelf. I never even heard of that game until I was in college. (laughs) But you had played, like, Monopoly and sort of the basics. Yeah. Okay. so there was some of that, and I had the experience everybody has with Monopoly when you play with other kids that the game falls apart. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You're just mad at each other. You know, we played <laughs> Risk, and that just came down to, you know, dice rolls for the most part. So they weren't very satisfying. But okay. at some point in college, we started getting into, I don't know, hardier games maybe yeah. that had, had more going on. And Betrayal, for me, was the first one that was 
gave me that kind of elegant stuff is happening and I should think about it. Okay. But also this game is a lot of fun and I want to play it all the time. I think I would say that was the, the first one. Okay. And that one, you when you say stuff is going on, obviously there are mechanics. Yes. But then were you invested like in the sort of the flavor and the narrative of it too? Yeah. Yeah, so the theme is, you know, you're wandering through this haunted house and you're exploring it as you go and you lay new room tiles yeah. and oh, suddenly you're in the, the bloody carpet room or whatever it's called. Yeah. And you get the weird omens and items and it's it's like you're playing a horror game and then halfway through someone, the, a betrayal happens and you have no idea who it's going to be or what the situation's going to be, but someone will betray someone else in a traditional horror Theme. yeah so <laughs> i've played it yeah i've played it a bit um okay. and yeah and i love any game that has for myself that has that sort of horror vibe and mm-hmm. and flavor um did you as you were playing it when did you start mapping game theory to like betrayal on i would say it took me longer than it should have <laughs> but, but there were moments at the start where i would start asking questions like i i ended up being the traitor most of the time I don't okay. know why. I, I'm, everyone's got that, you know, you either are the traitor most of the time or not. I think yeah, there's and a it is utterly random, right? It in is. The game, it's supposed to It's be. not like your friends getting together and like, uh, Ridge is a nice guy, so wouldn't right. it be funny if he's the asshole this time? No, there's like a random role that happens, and then yeah. once that happens, there's a combination that tells you who it is, and it's you can't plan it. No. But and it you, as a happening. student of math and numbers, know that it shouldn't be you, right? It shouldn't. It should be, you know, It equal, should be random, it was, yeah. It was mostly me. <laughs> and so... There were moments where I started thinking about these these different rules because the game's totally asymmetric. I don't know what your rules are anymore. Yeah. How do you win? I know how I win. And so there I started to think about that very closely. Like what are the what are the situations? Should I help people before that haunt happens? Like if I know we're not gonna be on the same team because I'm always the traitor, then I'd never help you. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Even though the first part of the game is kind of cooperative. Yeah. Just, you know, exploring. So I started thinking about that and it got it got vengeful. Okay. A couple times. There, there, you know, if I don't help someone, but we end up being on the same team, then they're mad at me for days. And it's like, right. well, I should, I should start thinking about how often I might want to do this. <laughs> and that's all, I mean, that's all game theory is, is those kind of conflicts. Just, uh, but now how do you start applying numbers to something like Ooh. betrayal? Like, how do you start saying, like, I have a choice to support or screw over somebody in my group. Mm-hmm. I, I am thinking through the odds that I will be the betrayer and it's in my interest to screw that person over if i am yeah do you just start running like statistics kind of kind of <laughs> there's there is a mathematical measurement called the util okay which they made up it's a measure of utility the, <laughs> the goodness of an action and it's ridiculous so i just usually call it you know the happiness scale you know, oh that's much, much better than the util exactly how much happiness do you get out of doing this thing and that's kind of hard to measure, so yeah. I understand why they came up with a random thing. But like, if a game has victory points, and I know doing this action will give me five, but this one will give me three, then we're super easy at that point. But a game like Betrayal, where it's just like, will my friends hate me? Or, will, you know, how many days will they hate me? How long until they invite me to... Maybe I could do days. Maybe that's reasonable. But it's just, it's kind of making it up and eyeballing it in a lot of ways, if I, if I want to start doing that. I often do game theory like that with like smiley faces oh really (laughs) they do so it's this is the biggest smiley face this one is kind of like frowny face you know we don't want that option because (laughs) even if you do that you can still map out strategies and you can still see what's going on there's still this action this choice if i do you know b 
will be worse overall than if I choose A, as long as I can somehow eyeball what's going on. Okay. So how much are you joking when you're talking about measuring the social mechanics, the the social results? <laughs> because like you can use the numbers to beat the game and, and yeah. anybody smart can run the odds, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're like interacting with people on a day-to-day basis, are you thinking through game theory? Is it like seeing code in the matrix where you're like, I feel like I do need to tell my friend this, and that will ultimately get me happiness points because my friend needs to know this, but I know my friend doesn't want to hear it right now, but that's going to be one unhappiness point, but ultimately two happiness points. <laughs> do you think like that? Absolutely. It is It is awful. I get into so much trouble for it, but there's, there are some things that I, I would prefer to tell you later because I would like right now to be a good moment, and if if we don't talk about numbers or anything, that's, that's just telling a white lie for a moment or putting off a bad thing, right? Yeah. And, and I will absolutely think that way. Um, and sometimes when I'm playing games, I'll do it too. Like there's, if I am teaching a new game to someone, I will usually not go like all destructive winning the game like at all costs. Yeah. But if I'm playing with a good friend who we've played it many, many times and we're in that spot, I will totally, you know, I will just go <laughs> after them. And, and those, I'm always thinking about those in terms of game theory, honestly. The choices are, you know... Now, the happiness is not me winning the game, but it's like our friendship, and should it continue? <laughs> okay. And I, I talk about that a lot in, in the game theory stuff I do, because there are certain games where, you know, yeah, analyzing the game is no big deal, but, but it's more about my relationship with the other player. It's about that conflict between us. Yeah. You know, it's... Otherwise, if it's just me against the game, that's like playing solitaire, and there's no real conflict there. So I want to talk about people and how yeah. people interact. And games is just a good framework for that. Okay, so going back to your initial definition yes. of this, is that you, the, your three-word definition was oh. math make conflict? Math, <laughs> mathematical <laughs> simulation of conflict. There we go. Yeah, something yeah. like that. that. That, to me, makes sense of from a real like nuts and bolts like line of supplies in a war yes. kind of math yeah. way. Mm-hmm. My, my, I'm having a hard time in my brain mapping that all the way over to social. Let's say that in that, that idea where, where there's the war going on, we consider the feelings of the two generals on opposite sides of the war. <laughs> and then okay. my ruthlessness just helps me, you know, tells me what's going to happen. Maybe we don't do like a modern war, but we do, you know, like fancy medieval war where, right. where everyone is going to stop at some point and shake hands and walk away. Like okay. there's a level that you would want to be ruthless in that and still maintain that politeness at the end i suppose even though it is like a battle going on but one side surrenders and says oh good job i'm gonna walk away now from this battlefield and i think i think that is a different level i think we can see the social dynamics there a little bit more you know if if we are attacking and suddenly i invented longbows and i kill all your knights then you're we're not gonna be friends anymore (laughs) (laughs) there'll be many unhappiness points i mean yeah maybe that's a little oversimplifying but that I think that social dynamic exists. And oh, yeah. It's harder in modern politics and economics because we're not, those people aren't friends anymore. Like, we don't think about, oh, my, let's get political. Like, That's Congress, fine. they're not friends right now, you know? But they are currently they seeing are. political value in claiming that they are friends. Yes. Increasingly, they, mm-hmm. they, they have been using the talk of being less bipartisan is a way to be partisan, to whoever can talk about being bipartisan the most yep. will get more support. And I think there are moments where just strategically every once in a while people are like, okay, we're, we'll, we're all aligned against Trump on this one thing, mm-hmm. so we will just suddenly drop it. Yeah. So th- there is, I think, a lot 
of changing sides. There's certainly a lot of game theory going on there for sure because they are creating alliances and these you know confederations that won't break apart and those are really interesting to me because they are this this power balance you know if if rand paul let's say just says whatever he wants and does whatever he wants then he has zero power except that he's a loud person yeah but if he's part of an alliance then that alliance is super powerful it's like everything should get passed if 52 senators can agree on something right but it keeps not happening because there's just a couple people trying to throw their power around. I love looking at alliances, and that's another huge part of game theory. <laughs> and when I started showing that to my students, they started freaking out. And I, I have a, a student who is a senior right now who is now doing her, her senior project on voting methods and these sort of alliances in Congress and how they can give people an unfair balance of power and yeah. more, more power than just one out of 100 people. You know, more Some people are much more powerful than that in Congress and some yeah. less. And it's all kind of based on these alliances. Okay. Have you ever used game theory to make like an actual life decision? Like, I know you're married now, but like yes. in dating or even <laughs> in a career move, have you ever like analyzed it? I don't see it as too different from making like a pros and cons list. Okay. Honestly, because that that's kind of the same thing, right? If this one has five con or pros and three cons, that is a overall happiness of too so you know we can we can start making those decisions okay I, I feel like that's that's a thing i have certainly done have i made one in particular i certainly made one about moving to la i absolutely okay did you made was, an actual like pro con list i did because there was a lot of you know i live i've lived in portland for a long time i had the same job for 10 years same house for eight or something like yeah. that so there was a lot of personal stability there and so it was if everything is fine, not great, but fine here. Yeah. And there are all these opportunities in LA, like, and I don't know what they are yet. There was this, you know, there's kind of a probability we can start to attach. Now okay. I'm just making stuff up, but you know, yeah. is it, how likely is it I'm going to get the perfect job I want or will I have to settle for something that's not as good as what I had before, yeah. you know, housing. So I don't, I don't know that I actually applied numbers to okay. it because I'm really, I'm weirdly used to not applying numbers. The the math in game theory gets really, really terrible very quickly. Yeah, well, because it seems like so much of it, if it is social and it mm-hmm. is subjective, like in your mm-hmm. pro and con list, you would have to say like, my current job is fine, so it's a five. Yeah. My mystery job is anything from a 20 to a negative 87. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But you could do, so let's say, let's say I wanted to add numbers. I could look at the five types of jobs I'm likely to get. I look at Glassdoor. I come up with those salary ranges. I apply the probability that I will get that job. So (laughs) 25% of 100,000 is $25,000. I start adding that whole thing up. And I see if that is better or worse than my current salary. Okay. And that's, I mean, that's a, a decent way to do it. Yeah. So you're like opposite Han Solo. You're like, always tell me the odds instead of never tell me the odds. I want them all the time. (laughs) And I think that that just getting used to the social bit means that I am kind of calculating odds often. There there are times when I'm in a conversation with someone. If there are three people in a conversation, I will be the quiet one usually because they're they're having a good talk. And (laughs) there are times when it's like, should I say this right now? Should I break? How long can I go before I make this comment? Or will we move on already? And there's totally, I will cycle through my head sometimes. Like, I have a funny thing. Yeah. Um, No, it's been too long. I missed my chance. (laughs) Okay. So this is a good way into another thing I wanted to ask you about. How much does game theory assume that people are going to behave logically? Because, like, (laughs) you are making the assumption that your funny comment 
is a lower number value than maybe it really is. That's in, true. When you're That's when true. you're deciding like I should hold back and wait and say almost has a little like what if my thing I think my thing's a plus two of funny, but yeah. maybe it's an actually plus eighteen <laughs> and you're just not being. And I'm not giving myself the chance. Exactly. We'll never know now. Yeah. So how much of it is assuming that, well, of course, we all think like uh, tacticians. And so if I move my uh-huh. chit here, of course, this person will respond by going this way. Gotcha. We, I make three assumptions with game theory. One is that it is a multiplayer thing. Otherwise, it's not a conflict. And I don't care about it. Okay. You know, if, if someone <laughs> is conflicted, they have an internal problem. Like that's not quite okay. game theory, I wouldn't say, but it's very close. Me playing solitaire is totally not okay. game theory. Um, it is a game. But uh, let's say I I have to assume that everybody is a rational actor. Okay. And rational, you just said logical. And what I actually mean by rational is as selfish as possible, as <laughs> self-interested as possible. Okay. I like that. So happiness is all about me. I, I should not be acting in happiness for someone else unless it brings me happiness. And then yeah. I make the choice based on my happiness. That is absolutely 100% what we assume in game theory. We also assume everybody's just as smart as everybody else. So if I can calculate odds, so can you. And and the game works that way. Because okay. otherwise, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Things break down. But the, the rational bit is really interesting. Because uh, a friend of mine, Mike Salinker, who he made Betrayal at House on the Hill. Yes. is <laughs> <laughs> um, writing a series of game theory politics posts. That was the terrible way to describe yeah. it. But that's what they are. And I get to read them in advance and kind of help you know, edit a little bit. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and I know Mike, and he is yeah. a very, I would say, logical and rational person. Yes. That's the way he sees the world. Mm-hmm. And but the interesting thing is when he talks about it, he looks at, you know, the current political environment as not a rational place. Like, every, all these illogical decisions. But when you switch it around and you think about, hello, I'm in charge of things and I am totally selfish, then everything makes perfect sense. Like, absolutely, the, you know, choices being made right now are are absolutely 100% selfish. And so game theory applies if we're all being selfish. Yeah, and I don't even think that's a terrible thing because, uh, well, I mean, it sounds like a terrible thing. So It, it uh, totally does. Let me take a second. <laughs> I think it's awesome that people are selfish. No, I mean, I, I do think that we are, what is sort of beautiful about humans is that we can get past some of the basic preservation of self instincts. Sure. And I think we do, but I think those basic preservation of self instincts are stronger than sometimes we feel comfortable talking about. Yes. So we have when we're threatened. And there I just was reading uh, uh some sort of study that was done about oh, I think your wife Angela posted about it about um how we react negatively to comments like on the internet that yes. attack us because we just Defense is the natural reaction. Right, absolutely. So I think there that is kind of a normal human thing to do to have your first thought be, is this good for me? Yeah. That does yeah. not mean that while also thinking, is this good for me, I have empathy <laughs> and I won't always just do the thing that's good for me. If it, if it's a choice between I get lit on fire, or my friend gets lit on fire. Yes. Maybe that's a different thing. But right. if it's, uh, you know, a situation where you're just like, I have these myriad of choices, of course, I'm going to do the one that sounds good to me and i'm gonna try to make it good for other people yeah i like it so much and it's it's not that i i do not believe in altruism because altruism is definitely i'm putting someone in front of my own welfare but i think at some level they're they're that person who's altruistic probably still has some selfish tendencies yeah that's the way we are i think there there are places for it like if i were to teach you a very difficult game i would not 
try to beat you as hard as I could in that game. I think that's really important. And it's not because I'm being nice. It's yeah. because I value the chance to play the game a second time, maybe. Or I, yes. speaking to you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't want to drive me away. Right. You've invested all this time to teach mm-hmm. me this. Yeah. And I'm not, I can't do math in my head. I'm not as smart as you. So if you teach me how to play a game, you've invested a lot of your time. And you don't want to beat me, just destroy me the first time. So I say, I never want to play this game right, again. Right. You want to get a uh, return on your investment of time. The second game, you, know, you will, will crush me. <laughs> but but a way to view that is not that I am being nice and you know and everything else. It's that I am being selfish. I I know what's best for me in this moment is the continuation, being able to play more games, right. and not have this instant conflict where you are now mad at me because I beat you by fifty points or whatever. Yeah. So the, I think there are plenty of examples where being selfish is not ever screwing somebody else. Like, right. hey, right. we all want this. Uh-huh. Like, yes. fucking healthcare. Yep. We all want this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you get it, too, that would be great. All right, uh-huh. I need to ask you about uh, Eric Garland. Oh, gosh. I know, I'm so Ruined sorry. my life. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I wanted to ask about. So for people who don't know, he is a political commentator who exploded right after the election mm-hmm. by posting a huge uh, Twitter thread about all of the connections, about basically how Russia has been playing us, I think, since the dawn of time. Uh, he, he did go quite a ways back, at least to yes. the 80s. Yeah. And started with the tweet, all right, all right, time for some game theory. That became a meme. And even people, I think, who agreed with some of his insights in that thread turned game theory into just a joke in a meme. Yep. So it was like, hey, time for some game theory. I ate a hamburger and then I shit. Game theory. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Like, uh, so wait, <laughs> well, how did this go for you? That hurt so much. And every <laughs> single time I saw it posted, it was like, oh, this thing I love. Like, what? Uh, it's so useful and can be so good. Like, that guy, whatever. You yeah. Know, there, there are... I think the people who get involved in game theory in the end are going to be at these political think tanks. And that's, I mean, that's what it's yeah. good for and economic advisors and stuff like that. That's what I should have done. <laughs> I made a lot more money than teaching. But they, they kind of keep it to themselves at the same time. So I think this, this idea that I shall come down from my ivory tower and teach you about the game theory is made probably a lot of sense to him at the moment. But he made my life a lot harder yeah. because I wanted to talk about game theory with my students. And my students saw that meme. They knew. So they're like, oh, is it time for some game theory? Like, yes, it is. The class is called game theory. I want to talk about how you can keep your friends. Yeah, <laughs> by not quoting that guy. Oh. So do you think what he laid out is actually game theory? I think that it is and it is, you know, it's it's the same way. So on one of Mike Selinker's posts, someone was like, you can't do game theory like this. You got to do the math. You got to do, you know, it's harder than what you're pretending that it is right yeah. now. And who was really angry at me. And I said, whoa, I think you're missing the point here. This is a general introduction. Like, let's talk about this. And uh, I got a very negative response to that. <laughs> okay. Because in a sense, game theory is this super overly complicated thing. And a lot of that screed, I think, had some of those elements to it. Like it was... It was a lot of it was like, let's let's look at all the pieces and try and put them all together. Like he should have said, like, it's time to put a puzzle together. And I think that would have been better. Yeah, it's (laughs) It's puzzle time, motherfuckers. It's it's time to teach people about history or something like that. I want to run this past you. Sure, I'm ready. I think what was mockable about what he posted was it had a wake up sheeple vibe. Yeah. Like if you had just been paying attention, it was obvious what was going on under the surface this whole time. And he might even be right about some of it, but Mm -hmm. just sort of socially, that's an annoying way to present something. Yes. And it's also using game theory to explain what has happened as opposed to modeling 
what different outcomes could be. Yes. Yeah. Game theory is, is all about those outcomes. So the situation or whatever, but if, if it had gone into like, so from now we have these three choices. Yeah. Um, here are the you know benefits of those things. Here's what our opponents could do. I don't, they're outlining sides, I suppose that yeah. would be game theory right there. But, okay. But it, it seemed a little bit less about that. Although it, there was some of that, as I recall. Yeah. I, I hate read that post and I've tried to block it out of my memory, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. I just, I had to, because I feel like when people see game theory, it has polluted it a little bit. Yeah. And I wanted to just address that. It's the only reason a lot of people have seen the words game theory together yeah. in a long time. I mean, I, the first time I probably saw it was in a course catalog in college. Okay. I don't, you know, and it, you know, that's a 400 level class, I think probably. Okay. So, so a lot of people have no idea what it is yeah. or, or how it works. And so that moment was like, oh, is this what game theory is? Great. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that's good. I wanted to ask you about Monopoly. We already uh, yeah. talked about it a little bit, and I'm kind of fascinated with Monopoly because, you know, yeah. board gamers generally hate it because it is mm-hmm. the game that blocks a lot of people from getting into board games they play it in their youth. Right. And I think it has two modes. It has played as it's designed, and it is <laughs> brutal, crushing capitalism. Yes. And I think it teaches that well because somebody will get a leg up, and then they just get more and more, and they grind their friends into poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or you can play it with like the various house rules, which are almost always some amount of community support or socialism of like, if you land on this square, you get this money and you can get a cash injection and you can stay on your feet, but then the game goes on forever. It does. Yeah. So given that it models to me, different ways of organizing a society and finances in a society is monopoly actually bad game design. Well, let's see. So with those house rules, what we are saying is that Everyone can stay afloat if every once in a while, when I land on boardwalk, you know, just we'll let it go this time. Like there is some sort of agreements between people. Yeah. Right? So then, then the game can go on forever. Isn't that a positive? Thing? Yeah. <laughs> in a sense. But it's the thing that makes people say, oh, Monopoly, that game never ends. Because a, a game we want to end. We want a winner. <laughs> we want a victory. And yes. so that's not, the, you know, a community victory. Is that really a victory? Yeah. I mean, if we can create a stable environment where we all exist in harmony in monopoly yeah the game would go on forever but it would be a good outcome right i feel like if we were doing it that way we would be playing a cooperative game and monopoly is not supposed to be that right would you want a version of monopoly where the goal is for everybody to get to having the exact same amount of money and then the game ends that would be so good it'd be like like a game of risk or supremacy or one of those where everyone just truce like just chills we're good all of us win <laughs> we all win together i think that would be so good have you ever seen there is a a version of monopoly on the internet some people tried to make the fastest game of monopoly possible okay and i think it's a minute long <laughs> and it's it's all just the roles are perfect but they play until someone owns boardwalk and then someone lands on it and goes bankrupt and that game's a minute long okay and it's incredible and it's crushing and brutal yes it is ex- it is the best example of that i've ever seen and in a sense, that's Monopoly done perfectly. Okay. But, you know, it's not the Monopoly any of us ever played. Yeah. So I would say that's a bad game and because it's not fun. And the, the version, which is the one we're used to, is good for different reasons, but it's bad game. Yeah. It's like it might a good be, simulation, maybe? It's a good simulation, but a shitty game. Yes. Yeah. Not, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like you ever wanted to tell people, like, this is why purely unchecked capitalism is bad <laughs> let your older brother stevie crush you at monopoly and see how you feel yeah would you is that the society you want to live in oh my gosh <laughs> so a true story in my game theory class i had an entrance exam because usually there were too many people who wanted to pl- be in the class because you just get to play games all the time right perfect mm-hmm. I mean, great high school class 
And so I could really only have about eight because that's how many games I had. I'd have to get like four copies of everything. Yeah. So eight was the limit. And I had them take this exam. And one of the questions on there was, when does a game of Monopoly end? And I just wanted to see what they would say. And the, the weirdest thing is at least 50% of the students would say, I've never played Monopoly. Wow. It's, it's just... Its reputation yeah. precedes itself. Yeah. And so they don't want to play it. Or their parents don't want to play it. So they, they won't buy it for them because it's a bad game. <laughs> I think we're, we're coming very close to Monopoly references being completely like too dated. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm terrified of because that oh. is such an amazing... I mean, that game was made in the 30s? Yeah. Yeah. And there's an even earlier iteration oh, yeah. of it. Yeah, a couple earlier iterations mm-hmm. of it that my wife discovered in like her family's uh, storage unit of I can't even remember what it was. Yeah. It was sort of like I can't remember. boardwalk murders. Like I mean it's it's <laughs> not murder, but it felt like that. There's a whole company, USAopoly, that just makes the other versions of Oh Monopoly. yeah, like, the branded would, ones. Yeah. yeah, they'll never go away. <laughs> they'll yeah. go out of business. Well, they'll, they'll certainly keep selling whether anybody <laughs> plays them or not. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you quickly about chess. Okay. So chess gets used and abused all the time in movies and television shows is, I think, a kind of game theory when, like, the good guy and the bad guy are playing chess oh, yeah. against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that game theory? I think that it is. I mean, it is It is more pure strategy. Okay. And so if we expect that they're both experts and they're like, I'm going to do the Duchovny defense and I'm going to pull the Scully maneuver or something like that. I guess I, you, there are those those competitions, but there's also the idea that when I'm playing chess, I don't play chess, and I yeah. I'm like, but whenever I see those movies, like I have the next 14 turns planned out, you've already lost. The question yeah. is like, can you somehow bounce back? And I'm not a hundred percent sure that those moments are game theory anymore. Okay, but I bet at the beginning it's like I'm going to do this offense. Right now, you have a choice about how you're going to react to my move. That's absolutely game theory, and then in a series of moves like that, each one of those would be good. Right. And then overall, I have a strategy that I'm employing, but like, I if I see you do a thing, when do I know you're doing that strategy? So I can yeah. start. There, there would be a lot. And I, I feel like when I explain it that way, that's just playing chess at a master level. But yeah. I think at the same time, each of those moments, and I, I love those moments of which of these choices should I make? You've just done a thing. It's my turn. What am I going to do? How are you going to react to what I do? Right. And we get this crazy, like we could map it all out and it would be this, you know, family tree that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that's all game theory for sure. Okay. But um, chess is a trickier one because there is no, there's no randomness. So right. I do a thing. You are probably going to do this thing. And I know that. In, in terms of like math, there's a, a small amount of responses ultimately, sure. right? Yes. And yeah. especially with the history of the game. Yeah. So it is people doing a very rigid dance. Mm. It's all about sacrificing pawns. That's the only yeah, reason it gets used in movies all the time because yeah. sacrificing a pawn sounds really dramatic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but absolutely, chess is so... There's so many choices that we will never... We, we don't think we're ever going to be able to solve chess. Like, yeah. we'll never be able to say, this is the perfect strategy. Uh, we've done that with checkers. We're closing in. There are some really good poker AIs right now that are beating professional poker players. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And is that sort of removing the myth that bluffing can get you out of anything? I I think it might be. The the computer tricked all the players. It played over three days and just thousands of hands or something ridiculous. Yeah. And it changed its strategy. So it would do this thing. And as soon as you got used to it, it would start doing something else. So the computer was kind of bluffing. Yeah, basically. Okay. And so they had all these different weird mecha- mechanisms built in. But it was beating, it beat all the players, all these pros. 
Wow. So, so they're on the verge of that, I think. I, I don't know that it will be beaten, and it's going to be different for humans, yeah. sure, but... I just love the image of like some grizzled old poker vet <laughs> sipping a whiskey and just staring yeah. down an old IBM computer. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I, you're not going to frighten that computer <laughs> no, with your steely gaze and your quick whiskey sipping. Yeah. I, I read this story about the last checkers pro. It was this sad, <laughs> sad story about this master who was the best checkers player okay. ever. And the computer tried to beat him and he, he won it and they were they reprogrammed it to do it again and they thought it would beat him this time. And the... The, the chess or the checkers pro died right oh, no. before the computer could beat him. So he lived as the last checkers pro who could beat a computer. The computer programmer was like, "What do you mean? I I was I was just going to beat him. Like I was going to be the best." <laughs> and but it was just this tale of this this guy who that was his entire life. He taught math and he played checkers and that, okay. was, that was it. And and it was really kind of sad. And I think we're going to see that in more games as we get not even too far into the future. All these games, like, we're going to lose all the time. Just computers are going to beat us silly. But he died before the computer could beat him. Is that yes. the story? Yeah. Okay, so is that, though, an example? I, I Everything you say, <laughs> I'm just going to use an example of gameplay. Yeah. But, like, in theory, he could have been looking and saying, here are my options, and if I die, I will be undefeated technically. Mm-hmm. And therefore, maybe yeah. that is the best way to win. Right, right. So, did that guy die on purpose? I don't... Uh, the story didn't go <laughs> into that too much. <laughs> We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. These are questions I ask all my guests or variations of them across all episodes of the podcast. Wow. Do you think about game theory every day? I do. <laughs> it's it's hard because now I've turned this switch in my head and it's hard not to look at a decision that I have to make in, you know, game theoretic terms. I traffic. I can talk about traffic. Oh yeah. Should I go this way or this way? Well, this is a scenic drive. This drive sucks, but the traffic's lighter there. Which way should I go? How much do I value my time versus yeah. my happiness? So do you value it? In terms of, it seems to me like a very positive, forward-looking thing. If it is always to help uh, get past indecision, yeah. Do I you? Love it. <laughs> is there a negative part though, where sometimes, like, let's say you're driving and you you decide the scenic route, but then like it takes forever and your night is blown. Do you get home and say, "I'm going to remember that for next time I made the incorrect decision"? Yeah. Yeah. And that's good for me. Like the, the question of where should we go for dinner? First of all, when that comes to me, I'm quiet for a little bit because I have to think about things. <laughs> uh-huh. But but then I will keep track of those. You know, if I decide to go to this place because it's close and Grubhub will get here sooner or whatever, yeah. but it was bad food, that's absolutely a thing I'm going to remember and have to change for next time. But But there's a lot of those decisions going on just all the time. Okay. All the time. Cool. <laughs> Has game theory ever made you weep? Wow. So can I, I have received an analysis paper about game theory from one of my students that has made me want to cry. Yeah. Is that not in a positive way? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was like glowing. It was beautiful. There are some. I've gotten yeah. some. I mean, because, because as soon as you get over that, I don't know, that, that idea that game theory is something weird, that it's just the decisions we make all the time. Kids can get really, really into it because they are especially you know, seniors in high school, like they're starting to think about that. Which college should I go to? Which, yeah. you know, what majors do they have? How much does it cost? All that stuff. And and they can start analyzing that. And so they start getting into this place where they can make some really amazing decisions, even about the, you know, the board games I'm telling them to study. Like, yeah. <laughs> study Ascension, I think is, is a oh, good one. Yeah. Very simple deck building game. And I force them to compare that to a Cuban Missile Crisis because they're the same <laughs> game. In certain respects, they're the same game. 
and one has more nuclear destruction yeah, but yeah. besides that besides yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> but uh some of them were really good really great ideas and it was nice to see them become this different person and i'm yeah. like oh perfect now you're a logical human being i we, we can be friends forever yeah. <laughs> but the one that made you weep they just didn't understand game theory it, it's mostly when thing i learned from teaching i think is when when a student makes you cry as a teacher it's because they just put zero effort into oh, it it's okay. not that they're wrong it's they turned <laughs> in this thing that they it's with a crayon you know this i i am always amazed at how students don't spell check these days because now when i write anything it's like well that's got a big red line under it i should fix that yeah and that doesn't happen a oh, lot really oh, still yeah. oh yeah what and they typed it so i don't understand okay. i don't know how they possibly just ignored all of them but yeah that's 10 years of teaching okay so at they, least once a month all right so it almost made you weep with its its poorness <laughs> but there were also good ones so i i would say it was the the seeing what i thought about game theory reflected back with my students is the kind of thing that okay. would bring me to tears <laughs> cool cool would you somehow cosplay as game theory at a convention intriguing how could I do that? Let's see. I would consider it for yeah. sure. I think if I could come up with a good way to do it, um, I would not do it at my presentation, I think, necessarily. Because <laughs> you do a presentation at, at conventions, right? Yeah. You did one at PAX? Yes. Yeah. And I did one at Gen Con. Nice. And I'll do one at the next PAX. I don't know. Just all the time. Yeah. But they, they're fun and they're they're all about game theory and, and board games. And so I, I guess I would certainly cosplay as a game. How would I add theory to that? Maybe... I could cosplay as a chalkboard with some things written on me. Okay. Like a game theory matrix or something. You would be asked would uh, to be stopped a lot. Yes. Is your investment in it, though, that let's say you did, you were wearing a big chalkboard that said game theory, uh-huh. and then like, let's say you mapped out like the perfect way to win a popular game. Got it. Would you want that attention of people asking you uh-huh. to stop, take pictures with you, study, engage, or... Are you so into game theory that like, yes, this would be a way to get people to talk to me about it all the time or it'd be like, no, I want to be left alone to eat pizza and go to the bathroom. I, I'm not sure because I, I haven't cosplayed very much. So I'm okay. not sure how much of both of those would happen, but I would be excited. Like okay. I, I enjoy it when someone comes up to me and has questions after the talk or send me emails that's let's let's talk about this in detail. I've got like four of those going on right oh, now. Wow. Okay. Last talk. I think that's a lot of fun because I don't get to talk about it enough. <laughs> okay, got it. Okay, that's so good. So if a little kid came up and it was a board game they loved, I would be over the moon. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> would you name a child that you had game theory? No. <laughs> Because I have seen the cruelty of school. <laughs> oh, yes. You have probably seen uh, exotic fun names that parents have given their yes, children, and you've yeah. seen the ramifications. Yeah, and it's it's a dark place sometimes. <laughs> and, it, you know, it gets, things changed eventually, yeah. you know, but there's, yeah, wow. Yeah, what is and is not an exotic name changes depending on yeah. what time you live, where oh, you exactly. live, and, you know, yeah. So would I want, as a parent, for the day to come that my child says, I'm going to change my name because your name sucks. <laughs> so, I, I don't think so. <laughs> you ran the game theory on that. And was like, yeah, that's, mm, those are some that's unhappiness hard. points. I'm going to be selfish about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Would you fight about game theory with a loved one at a holiday dinner? Have I already? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I often get asked about it now. Okay. Which is fun. But I don't, I don't argue about it because I don't like conflict. Okay. Which is my favorite thing about being a game theorist now is it's all about conflict and I hate it. I hate it so much. But so. it's about managing conflict, yes. right? It's about yeah. making it understandable, mm-hmm. even turning it into an equation if you want, right? Which is often what people want when they're in the middle of a conflict. Yeah. <laughs> is for me to start spouting numbers <gasps> at them. <No. laughs> Has that really come up? No, no, no. Never. Okay. But um, 
if someone is actively mad at me, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to run away. Okay. So I don't, I don't think that I, I would ever get in that position. Uh, it leads to politics quickly. And yeah. I also shy away from that. Just yeah. Because I, I never know what someone else is thinking. And I, I don't want to tell them that they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Are. Enough. They probably are. <laughs> <laughs> would you want to use it, though, if somebody engaged you? Like, I have an open mind and I can't decide about a political thing. Sure. You would use it as a tool to maybe take some of the emotion out of it and say, "Here's here are the likely outcomes mm-hmm. of these four political choices you could make." I think it's really good. You could you could outline, you know, you could ask a bunch of questions like, "How much do you value the health of a random stranger in yeah. your city?" Or you know, "How much do you value I don't know clean streets or, or yeah. whatever?" You could do all these things, and then you could look at a bill and start to gauge it that way. I think, and I think you could do that in very broad terms. Yeah. So, you wouldn't have to get too specific, but like healthcare is so much about what do you value for you versus what do you value for a random person who's somewhat near you, who yeah. you might never see. And I think that's, that is so much of that discussion. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's not all of it, obviously, but for me, like that, that's so much what it is. Like, why wouldn't I care about everybody else at the same time? You know, if it doesn't, if the cost to me is low enough, then, yeah. then yes. And that's, that's a cost benefit. It's, it's all economics. I, I, it's game theory. I wish it wasn't economics. So boring. <laughs> um, would you use game theory to steal a board game from Walmart? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Has this come up? Oh my gosh, no. I was just asked. So there's there's a game I want, Clank in Space. Okay. It's sold out right now. It just came out at Gen Con. And so I asked someone specifically whether we should build a team to play. It's a, it's a game about heists. Okay. And so should we build a team for Clank in Warehouse? To break into a warehouse and steal plank in space. That was a real conversation I had yesterday. <laughs> and did you figure out a way that you felt good about it? No. Uh, if not morally, uh, at least logistically? Well, it, it was really easy because that person was like, I'm just going to buy it for you. Like, please calm down. <laughs> and so that was nice. Uh, I, I have never shoplifted ever. Yeah. Ever in my life. Um, but if it was the only way you could get it. Let's say Walmart bought it up. Made it an exclusive, yes. and you had negative feelings towards Walmart. Uh-huh. Selfishly, you want the game. They're, you feel they're hurting the economy, and so you don't feel too bad about taking a, you know, a couple dollars out of Sam Walmart's pockets. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. Okay. Just as a person, I, I have a friend who, who made this choice, and I saw the consequences of that choice. Oh, just like the guilt? Oh, no, there were very legal consequences. <laughs> I was going to like Edgar Allan Poe's, like, did he hear a heartbeat under yeah. the floorboards? Like, no, he got fucking arrested. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I might I might go away from that. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I don't, I'll just change that hope says to are you question to, would you be arrested? <laughs> if there was a magic book that you truly uh, believe explained, like, the game theory of the universe. Whoa. Uh, Siri went off. <laughs> it's a fun, intimate moment on a podcast. That's <laughs> ideal. Oh, that's creepy. When I was talking about a magic book and then Siri talked it to happened. me. That anyway, it. all right, let me reframe that. I'm not even going to edit that out, but I'm going to reframe <laughs> the question. There was like a book that really did have like the mathematical sort of answers of like, if you put these numbers, these formulas into any problem, the world opens up and makes sense. Uh-huh. Would you want to look at that, or would you feel like there's a Lovecraftian horror, like the knowledge you should not have? I want it so bad. <laughs> so, in mathematicians, we we talk about it because okay. there are you know we could prove something is true, 
And, and once we have that proof, we, we look at it and we ask, is that proof as concise and elegant as it could be? Like we use the word elegant yeah. <laughs> to, to talk about logic. And if it is, if it is the perfect proof, people will say that it, that proof must be in the book. Oh. Like there is this secret book that has all the rules of the universe and mathematicians just want to explore that book. And so I would absolutely 100% read it because that's what I was trained to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great insight. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a good 300-year-old problem that someone solved and they looked at the proof and it's like, well, this proof is right. Solves a problem we care about, but... Eh, but know, it wasn't elegant. It's not elegant. It's just this huge, ridiculous thing. So is it a matter of like literally trying to take steps out of it and get to the answer that you know is correct in a faster, more streamlined way? Yeah, I think so in, in science, maybe if you were developing something, you might say, I want to build this thing. I have to come up with four brand new components to build that thing I want. Yeah. And mathematicians would be like, eh, I don't, that's not elegant. You don't want to build new things. You want to use, you want to build up from our foundations. Ah, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Okay, cool. Well, I would love to see the book and then have somebody explain to me what oh, it yeah? means because I'm terrible at math. <laughs> anyway. Uh, if the only way you could continue to work in the field of game theory was to beat a bear at a board game, would you play the bear at your favorite board game? Yes. Yeah. I I was in scouts as a youth. <laughs> I have tracked bears. I have scared bears away with the, the uh, Father Abraham song is what I was taught to do. What is the Father Abraham song? It's It's one where you like every... You, you sing it through a bunch of times, and every time it ends with, like, so wave your right arm and then wave your left arm and then start waving all your arms. Okay. And it's just a song about everybody waving all their body parts <laughs> and being really loud. And that's all you have to do for a bear is pretend you're huge and make a bunch of noise, and a, a bear will think they're smaller than you and they should run away. I have been asking people bear questions really? for, like, quite a while now on the podcast because uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm on a bear kick. Uh-huh. Uh, don't worry, I still like squirrels, but I'm, okay. on, I'm, okay, I'm on a bear kick lately. Uh, and this is the first time someone has answered with just a practical <laughs> solution for getting rid of the bear. So yeah. you would you would give the bear the benefit of the doubt that the bear yeah. somehow is intelligent enough to mm-hmm. play betrayal at the house on the hill. Absolutely. Uh, and then if the bear like got mad and got angry and like swiped its paw and knocked the board over and roared at you, you would just start singing Father Abraham, and then it would run away, and that would be fine. <laughs> I. I did. I, this I think this cr- is like an SNL sketch. This is like a second to last of the night SNL sketch I've just described. Yeah, that's good. I would, I would, in fact, I would track the bear to its lair to specifically play the game with it because I've done that before. My mother loves to tell that story. You tracked a bear to its lair. I wanted to know where it was because I was camping with a bunch of kids and it was like, where should we camp to stay away from this bear? So I wanted to find out where the bear was. Did you leave the children alone while you did that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did that I put the children in myself. more danger? No, uh, I don't think <laughs> to so. To be left alone? <laughs> they just hung out. <laughs> okay. They talked about TV shows, I bet. And <laughs> uh, So you went and saw where the bear was. Yes. And they're just like, cool, that's where you are, bear. Yeah. And then I got out of there very quickly. Yeah. But it was just making sure that it was far enough away from the camp, from the camp in general. Okay. And uh, my mom tells that story to people that she wants to date. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, is it a warning? Like... It's, it's like her first story about me that she likes. She could. She, this is my son, Richard, the teacher. Once upon a time, he tracked a bear to its lair. And then he sang a song and the bear ran away. <laughs> is she saying it as a point of pride of like, look at how uh, uh, smart and caring my son is? Or is it more like an implicit threat of like, you had better treat me well in this dating relationship or my son will track where you live? 
Knowing me, I bet it's not the second one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hope it's the first one. Just oh kind and supportive. People shouldn't use me as a threat. That's, that's a mistake. <laughs> if every time you thought about game theory, someone lost another die by rolling it off the table, would you still think about game theory? Oh, I don't like it when dice go off the table. No, nobody does. I don't. When, I, when I'm playing role-playing games, if they don't roll on the book, I don't count them. Even if they roll off the table, I'm really... I don't know why. It's yeah. just this... this thing that i've got superstition so if they rolled off the table that's that's no good at all that bugs you yeah um but sacrifices have to be made i think as a selfish person that cost doesn't affect me a whole lot right it affects other people randomly happen near you once and you have some mild disturbance but other than that oh wow and you put it that way now we're talking about healthcare again um (laughs) (laughs) i i Hmm. as long as i was the only person making that choice i would make that choice okay yeah, because if too many people made that choice, then, th- then no die would ever land on a table. That's the free rider problem. We, <laughs> we talk about that. <laughs> Excellent. I asked people to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What noise can you make to sum up your obsession with game theory? Oh, my gosh. I would roll, like, so many dice all at the same time, which I, can't, I don't think I can do with my mouth. <laughs> but you know those, like, the ice bucket challenge? Yeah. Someone did a dice bucket challenge. Okay, where they dumped all the dice. Just a huge bucket of dice on their head, and it made, and like rolled down the stairs. It was incredible. So it was like that initial incredibly loud, like sharp, tacky rain. Yeah. And then that long, slow dribble, and then you get down to that last ting, 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 ting. <laughs> And it just, it's the sound you expect of dice rolling off the table, but like 500 of them, and there are many tables. <laughs> and anything could happen, right? Yes. It's wonderful. Oh, that's great. <laughs> All right, so I rate people's obsession on a scale of one to seven. Oh, no. Uh, we'll, we'll, for you, we'll say uh, uh, seven what? Health cares, since we've talked about it <laughs> this much? Okay, I hope it's, I hope it's at least one health care. <laughs> it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Please, no zero health care. No zero health care. Uh, so one being the lowest, seven being the highest. Okay. Where do you think you end up? I I worry that it is is higher than I expect it's going to be. Okay. I think I think I have done a good job of turning most of my normal conversations into game theory conversations at this point. <laughs> People aren't talking to me as often anymore <laughs> about just fun stuff. <laughs> I I think it I I might pin it at a six. Okay. I agree with that. I okay. I, I wouldn't go too much lower. You I mean you have your stopping points. Uh, bears don't bother you no uh you would not name the child (laughs) game theory but this is an obsession where uh i rated you a lot higher because of that cosplay answer oh yeah in my mind because it's like i truly want to engage (laughs) yes yes, you know you are you're in the apex of this obsession where like you you can't get enough of it right now right and i think obsessions in our life come and go and it doesn't mean you stop liking things Mm -hmm. but like i think you are kind of at the height. I'm peaking You're right peaking. Now. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe plateauing. Maybe you'll be there for a while. Yeah, I don't know. It's been fun so far. And I you know, I keep pitching talks at conventions, and I've got more of them coming up. So, yeah, that's you know, great. Uh, I'll stay there. <laughs> excellent segue as well. So this is our plugging section. So uh, I want you to tell people about your YouTube channel and social media and anything else you want. Uh, so you can find most of my stuff at AtomicGameTheory.com. You can get links to the, the videos on YouTube from there. And, uh, and also there's just these blog posts that I just can't stop writing because I just <laughs> want to talk about games more. I think that would be the easiest way. You can find a lot of things at my Twitter, which is just Armelina. Okay. Because I'm a boring person. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a smart person marketing-wise. <laughs> well, that's fair. I, every time that I have to like you know do something to plug uh, somebody on their Twitter handle isn't their name, I'm like, what? I have to go look it up. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> um, 
but now on the YouTube series for Atomic Game Theory, mm-hmm. each one you're breaking down, is it a different game or a different mechanic within games? I tie both of them together. I try okay. to do an episode that is focused on a game theory problem and a specific game. And possibly it's the game doesn't do it very well, or here's, you know, here's an example, here's one way that it works, here's five other games that you could try okay. and keep exploring this problem. Uh, I will not pretend to have solved any problems at all. But, okay. but I think just looking at them and talking about them is really, really useful and helpful for anyone who likes to play games. Absolutely. Like, uh, not as much now, but like when I lived in Minneapolis, I mostly gamed with the same people. So you get to oh, know yeah. them and you get to know their beginning of the afternoon strategy. You get to know their frustrated at 9 p.m. after three beers strategy. Yes. And yes. just knowing all the options could be like, oh, which one do I want to use <laughs> in this scenario? I actually, I talked to a friend of mine recently who watched an episode which was similar to that it's about reputation over time and so like as we build up those reputations where we know what people are going to do how do we respond to that like can i take advantage of them because i know they're at that three drinks moment yeah fair or i know this person is going to play vengefully yes and so mine was my friend who he told me in a game straight up he said if you betray me right now i will come for you the rest of the day i don't care what game it is i'll come after you and I did it anyways because it was funny. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and I talked about that because it is just this he had a reputation. I had a reputation of being, you know, we're going to be just fine. And I broke it. And he was so angry because of it that he came after me. And I talked about that exact problem. And he oh, just wrote me an email like, that's about me, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, it yes, is. It is. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make the episode because of you. Someone else wrote to me and asked this question. But, but it's totally you, about you. You were a great example. <laughs> uh, and you are currently doing a lot of like freelance game design writing and puzzle making like escape room type stuff in that right that is my hopes um i've just done a big project on twitch which was all about ciphers and and world war ii enigma stuff okay it was a ton of fun and i'm starting to meet up with the escape room community down here in la since i'm still pretty new yeah yeah awesome and then also doing some some game design and some role-playing game design and stuff like that cool so some thoughts yeah if you are listening and you are in need of game design or puzzle making uh go you can be found on your website right oh contact info yeah all right there you go i also i do another podcast called going last okay i just talk about board games and kickstarters and just games 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 oh, games yeah <laughs> there's very little theory attached to it it's just game reviews and things like that but that's, that's goinglast.net awesome. cool uh here's some quick plugs for this show and then our final questions you can follow me on twitter and instagram is at joseph scrimshaw you can follow obsessed podcast on twitter and facebook is at obsessed podcast also check out my pop culture station on anchor called headcanon for info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and whatnot you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com have some shows coming up very soon so check those out on josephscrimshaw.com you can also support obsessed by backing us on patreon for as little as one dollar a month you get access to our monthly patron only bonus episode for full info on that go to patreon.com slash joseph scrimshaw all right here are our final questions i'm ready if you could build anything out of lego and it would come to life what would you build a i think it's going to be in the ninja go ninjago movie <laughs> it would just be a very large samurai robot a large samurai robot La- like like kai- kaiju size kaiju I want, size I want an enormous samurai robot that is a nice genre blend there because you got yeah. the ninja it's not just a ninja it's a robot one and right. it's kaiju size yes so it is unstoppable I mean, if you're gonna build a thing out of lego it should be big yeah yeah <laughs> would you just take that around los angeles as a protector as a like yeah. just just so you know don't uh don't cut my uber off in traffic because yes. look what i got <laughs> or really if it was large enough couldn't it walk me places pretty quickly so true that's I even better ride on its shoulder <laughs> i would be even tinkerbell better. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> If there was a dance move named after you, what might it be? Let's go with 
I don't want to say the flop. That's not very nice. I'm not a great dancer. Okay. So I am curious. The the awkward left foot, <laughs> which is not like a regular, you know, left, you know, whatever yeah. it is. But like you actually pick up your left foot and you kind of dangle it and then fall down as you do it. <laughs> <laughs> is that an actual dance move? I don't think so. But it would be well, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot of new dance moves. Maybe it is now. Kids are wacky these days. Yeah, the awkward left foot. I like that. So you just you stick your your uh put your weight on your right leg mm-hmm. and then you dangle your left yeah. leg until you collapse, or then you so. collapse immediately. I, I think it might go for a little bit because on its own, it's that it's that move where you're just like dangling from your knee and kicking your leg around. And oh I yeah, think that's a move. Oh yeah, but yes. then you would fall down partway through it. So it's like it's bad, and then it it get you. It's worse than it actually looks because you're about to fall down. (laughs) That is a thing of beauty. (laughs) The final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Whoa. Yeah, I know. Is it weird that I just talked about that a lot? That it is a mathematical (laughs) measurement (laughs) of my own being? No. What is happiness? Do you feel like you can measure it for yourself? Can you quantify it? I, I think that happiness is being in a moment where you know what you're supposed to do and you're doing that to the best of your ability. For me, that is, is really what happiness is all about. It's yeah. Like the, the perfect place and moments and action. I like that a lot. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me is uh, that happiness in some ways is the absence of anxiety about the choice. Like you, yes. <laughs> you've either made the correct choice or you don't even have the choice, but you're just yeah. where you're supposed to be doing the thing you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And doing it, doing it well. Like I, I yeah. enjoy doing a thing well. Yeah. And it's it's very. It has to be active for me. Happiness is a, is an active. Like I've done a. I'm I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> so do you enjoy uh, the moment of doing it or the moment after where you're like I did the thing. I like the moment of doing it because okay. right afterwards I'm like oh I was probably terrible at that. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. Happiness is that moment before you doubt that you are happy. That's right. Beautiful answer. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. All right. So in Hearts, there is a moment where someone is trying to shoot the moon. Yeah. And and. They, they would potentially, with they do that, take zero points and give all of you a ton of points. And it's terrible. <laughs> and so someone can stop them from doing it. They, they take a single point and now everything's fine. That villain gets all the points, except for that one that you took. But the question is, should you take it or should you let someone else take it? Uh-huh. And that, that moment is the volunteer's dilemma about, I want a good thing to happen, but I have to you know make an action that's a cost to me to act in order to get it. And I talk about it in hearts, and then I tell all of my students that it's about being politically active right now. That if, if people are not active, paying the cost of being politically active can be difficult, but if people don't do it, then no one is active and the villains win. And they go like, oh my gosh, can we go to a protest right now? <laughs> and they go to a protest and scream, don't shoot the moon! Yes, They're yes, shooting the they're moon! They're shooting the moon! <laughs>